All right, so this morning we wanted to offer the opportunity to have some families dedicate their children to the Lord. And it's different from a baptism. A dedication is when they're young, and, and we're promising to God that we're going to do our best to raise these children in a godly home and in a church that comes alongside and helps to support the family. So that's what a dedication service is. It's a blessing of the children um, to the Lord that we do when they're, when they're real young or older. If you have older kids that haven't been dedicated and you wish to, you can talk to us and we can certainly make that happen. But I wanted to read a scripture uh, this morning just to start off from Mark 10, 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus to him for have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and he blessed them. In the vineyard and at Vineyard uh, Church in Hopkinton here, children are extremely important to us. Children's ministry is one of our top priorities, and we want to make sure that children know that God loves them. No matter where they're from, no matter how they behave sometimes, God loves them so much, and that's important that they understand that, and that's one of the priorities that we want to make sure through KidZone and other activities that they know. And parents, we want to make sure you know that we love and value your children, and we love and we value you, and we're here to come alongside of you to assist you. But this morning is about you all dedicating your child to the Lord. So I just want to um, ask you, um, as a part of this dedication, we're going to make a commitment here, and I'm just going to ask you to say yes in agreement, um, and I'm sure you're going to agree. I'm going to come this way so I can actually face you all. Oh, I didn't fall. That's good. Um, usually I fall when I get off well, tall areas. All right, so what I just wanted to, to have you guys agree with is that you believe that Serafina and Jordan and Julian are precious in God's sight, Amen. that he loves them so much that he made a way, that he sent his son to die for them. If they were the only people on this planet, God still would have sent Jesus. And you understand that today. And so you're committing today to dedicate Serafina and Jordan and Julian to the Lord's service and to live for him by, in your own, at home, praying for and with your children, reading the Bible to them, helping them to understand what God is is teaching to the best of your ability with the help of the Holy Spirit, and raising them in a godly home, in a home where they see you modeling Christ to them, to your friends, to your families. Is this what you commit to today? Okay. And we as a congregation... Because we are here to support you. You are not on this journey by yourselves. All right, I know um, that the Ogandares, your family's far away, but we are here with you to support you and to come alongside you. And we as a congregation, as teachers in Kid Zone, as the children's ministry director, as the pastor, we commit to you that we will stand beside you in prayer. 
and in teaching and training your children and yourselves and to be here to support you when you need us to support you. And we as a congregation, if you would commit with us to that, if you would stand up with us and tell them that we, we stand with you. We believe it takes a village to raise a child. It's not done by two people or one person. It's done by a village. And so we commit to you, and you see everybody's committing this morning, to pray for you, to pray for your children, and to come alongside of you. And so this morning, um, because you have committed your children to the Lord and because we've committed, we want to pray for you and we want to pray specifically for the kids. Um, did you, any of you want to say something as a blessing to your children? You don't have to. Okay. Um, do you want to pray? Sure. Let me just lead off in, in, in prayer. Why don't you extend a hand? Lord, we just pray for, uh, for these families. We just lift up uh, Serafina and the Marquezes. Lord, we just pray blessing on her. Lord, we thank you for who she is and how you've made her and, and created her and the uniqueness of who she is. We just pray your blessing on her, Lord, and that she would come to know you at an early age, Lord, and a greater understanding of who you are. And likewise with Jordan here, Lord, we just thank you for him. We pray a blessing on him. And this family, Lord, we just lift this whole family up to you. We thank you for Julian and all the energy and excitement that he brings, uh, Lord. And we just uh, delight in uh, trying to raise him and these kids uh, to be followers of you. And so, Lord, we pray for your spirit to be in them even at this early age, and that they'd be drawn to the things of the Spirit and of, to, of you. So we lift them up and we commit them to you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Blessings. If any of you have a prophetic word for these families or these kids individually, I'd encourage you to speak to them afterwards. And uh, if there's a particular verse that may pop out, uh, just why don't you share with them what that is. And uh, afterwards, we'll have cake uh, together and celebrate. But uh, before you guys run off, get your yes, uh, certificate. nice certificate. Thank you. We, we will sign it. We'll sign them up. Huh? Okay. Usually. And also, um, there are some family devotions that have been ordered for you, but they haven't come yet. So next week, I'll give them to you. All well, right, thank you very kids. much. God bless. Why don't you guys go to children's ministry? <laughs> Serafina, you look wonderful. Well, it seems as though we have a, um, a, a weather day today. Uh, it might be a good uh, sort of a reminder. If you're trying to figure out if church is canceled or church is opened, uh, your best bet is to uh, look at our website. Uh, you know, in the past we've put stuff up on the TV and all that, but uh, honestly the website is, is the best place uh, to go to. If we're canceling church, it'll be pretty loud and clear on the web. Uh, so uh, that's the best way of finding out if church is cancelled. Uh, secondly, here's another uh, very important but totally uh, boring announcement, uh, a fire drill. You know, I've been contemplating, how do we do a fire drill? Uh, you know, and it's like, oh, there's just never a good Sunday to do a fire drill, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you don't want to wake up, shovel your car, uh, come to church, and then the whole Sunday is like a fire drill. It's like, Really? Uh, but but I, I, I do want to say this, and I probably need to say this more regularly. There are three exits out of this church building. This one, the front door, which is obvious, and this exit out the back here. Now, here's the challenge. Uh, 
instinctively and depending where the fire is and what the calamity is. And today is actually a good day to talk about it because a few years ago when the snow uh, was piling up on these flat roofs, and we have a flat roofs, many of them were caving in. So, you know, it could be a fire, it could be roof collapse, who knows, whatever. But there's three exit uh, here of the church. Here's the challenge. The instinctive thing for a parent is to want to run and get your kids. Uh, that can create a bit of a traffic jam, uh, people going in while kids are trying to come out. So uh, the, the fire plan drill is this, uh, to try and avoid your instincts of going to get your kids because we want the kids to come out of kids' zone, depending where the fire is, uh, out of this door, out of that door, and meet in the main parking lot. So for adults, if you'll go out the front door and out of that rear door, uh, those are the, the primary uh, exits. And likewise, because we have folks with uh, wheelchairs and, and walkers, uh, these two exits are the easiest to get out of. This one has a stairwell at the back, which is not as easy. So um, just bear that in mind. What we would then do is collect your kids in the main parking lot, and we would also need to have a as best we can, a headcount of, like, is everybody out? So uh, that's the big plan. Um, we won't actually practice it. We'll just try and... I mean, one of the things we're blessed with in this building, we're all on one floor, and it's pretty easy to get to the exits. I mean, it's, no, it's not they're visible, there's no major obstructions. But enough of that. Uh, let's move into something far more exciting. Uh, I, I said we were going to start a series uh, today out of the book of Ephesians, and uh, I do indeed want to uh, do that. I also uh, want to just recap one other announcement uh, from last week. I handed out a Bible reading plan, and uh, given that uh, last year's uh, New Year's resolution, big plan was to have everybody in the church read through the Bible in a year, and uh, we didn't really have a great graduation class. This is, this, is not a, this is not a good reflection on us, but we had uh, one or two graduates who, who actually made you do that. So uh, I, I've sort of scaled it down a level this year and said, how about we, we read through just the New Testament? I mean, can we, can we do that? You know, it's like one book, a, you know, one chapter a day, only for five days of the week. So uh, scaled down version, uh, but if you're an overachiever and uh, you like to do more, uh, I was recommending you read this plan, plus a daily devotional that uh, I was recommending by Henry Blackaby, and I don't know if we still have any uh, left at the, on the back counter, but uh, daily devotional, daily Bible reading, a great way to set yourself up uh, in a positive way spiritually uh, with the Lord and to hear from the Lord in a constructive way. Today I want to talk about uh, the opening uh, verse in Ephesians which uh, God is telling us that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Uh, the, the, this verse uh, is really interesting to me. I think it's going to be a great morning uh, here. I'm, I'm glad you're here. But it's a section which has a little bit of a disconnect uh, because uh, spiritual blessing, uh, do we know what a spiritual blessings are? And uh, God seems to think that's a really big deal. Do we think it's a really big deal? Um, a few years ago, excuse me as I mop up my nose, boy, this, uh, I was sick this week. I mean, I was sick, like sick, sick. 
you know, I'm so just like really excited to be standing here today. And uh, man, so many of you have been sick, like sick, sick. And then you're like, you're trying to recover and hacking and coughing. But uh, all that to say is, you know, we deal with our physical bodies, but we deal with our spiritual bodies. But um, this disconnect sometimes between the spiritual reality and the physical reality, uh, sometimes uh, there's a disconnect in the natural between our physical wealth and our actual wealth. Uh, I was on a board of director for a downtown um, mission uh, homeless shelter in downtown Boston uh, called the Boston Rescue Mission, just a a fine uh, Christian-based organization. And every now and then you get these remarkable stories. And uh, this one year, we found out about this one person, this lady, uh, she'd been homeless for like an extended time period. And she would be staying at the mission and she'd be uh, involved in Bible study. And, and then, then she died and we found out that she was like a multi-millionaire. And, and you know, of course, we were all like, what? Why would somebody live in a shelter, live as a homeless person, when in reality... She was really, really wealthy. Now, I, I don't know, you can't explain it. You know, some of it was like mental health issues for sure. Uh, some of it was a, like a disconnect with reality. I mean, there were definitely quirks. But when it's all said and done, I mean, you still look at it and say, how could somebody be so wealthy and live in such poverty? It just just doesn't add up. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, there was this disconnect. I think in a similar way, God looks at us and he says, I'm giving you every spiritual blessing. And we live like in complete spiritual poverty. Or like the homeless person, uh, we know that there's some blessing out there, uh, you know, a lot of money in a bank account, but not able to like go to the ATM and like withdraw it, you know, which shouldn't be such a, a difficult um, a difficult concept. But our spiritual needs, or should I say, our spiritual felt needs, sometimes seem so like obscure or secondary or minor compared to our physical felt needs. I mean, if I asked you to make a list of, uh, or if I just asked you what were your prayer requests, like what are the things you've been praying about, uh, you know, over the last year, over the last week, felt needs, guess there would be, you know, typical things, like you need help with finding a job and relationships and you don't want to be lonely, you're looking for a better boyfriend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, you know, I need a car, or I need a better car, you know, whatever they are. Um, you'd have a lot of things, if I said, what do you need, what are you praying for, you'd list them. My guess is you probably wouldn't be listing the spiritual needs that God thinks that you need. There's a, there's a, there's a little bit of a disconnect here. Um, for instance, well, let me say this. As a parent, 
If you said to your teenager, what is it that you want? What is it that you need? Uh, I would guess the list that your teenager would come up with wouldn't exactly match a list of what you think is most important and what your teenager needs, or your 20-year-old, or your 30-year-old. Their perception of what they need and what you think they need would differ. I mean, one of the things as a parent, you'd say, you know, what's really, really important for a teenager is, is for the teenager to know that you love them and that their home is a safe place and a secure place and a place where they can be uh, who they are. As a parent, that's like really a high priority. For a, a teenager, they're like, what? Safe place? Parents love me? I just assumed that. I, you know, what I want is I want to go out tonight, you know, and I need some money to go out, and can I use the car, Dad? You know, it's like, you love me? Sure, I know you love me, but there's a disconnect. I mean, like their need, felt need is this side, and you're like what you're trying to express the felt need is on this side. Now, backing into Christmas, we've just finished the Christmas season, and if we go back into the time when Jesus was born, uh, if you would have said to the Jewish people of that day, what is your felt need? What is your spiritual need? What, is your, what are your needs? What are you praying about? What bothers you? What do you want God to do for you? People would have said, we want the Messiah. He's promised in the Old Testament. We, we expect him to come. And we want the Messiah to kick these dumb Romans out of this place. We want them out of here. We want to control our own country again. We want, we want political freedom. And not only do we want political freedom, we want it to be like it was with King David. We want political freedom and we want wealth. We want freedom and we want wealth. And, uh, you know, they're not just like happy to have Jewish rulers because they've had a whole bunch of Jewish rulers and some of the Jewish rulers were pretty exploitive. They weren't the best. So they want Jewish rulers like King David. He was like, you know, their hero, and for good reason. So if you had said, okay, this is what we're praying for, this is what we want, the biggest need would be let's get the Romans out of here because they're mistreating us, they're taxing us, and they treat us like slaves and second-class citizens, and we want that taken care of. Now with that backdrop, uh, we get the, the Christmas story. And the Christmas story says this, it says, now the Messiah... The promised one, the one that you've been praying about is going to come. And he's going to come from a virgin, and he's, you know, his mother is going to be Mary. And then it says this. I'm going to actually just read this account in Matthew. I probably should have read this last month during the Christmas season. But uh, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Uh, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, uh, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you fast forward, and here's the big, like, I'm going to meet your needs. This is your felt need. This is what God is going to do for you. Uh, here it is. And it says in verse 21, And she, Mary, will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And I'm sure all the people were saying, What? Save me from my sins. Not a felt need. I don't see the need to be saved from my sins. I don't even think I'm a sinner. I, yes, I want the Messiah. 
But the Messiah's job is to get rid of the Romans. The Messiah's job is to make me wealthy and to give me protection. Save me from my sins. I don't get it. I'm not praying for it. Disconnect. Now, I say that because this was God's big plan. This was the big aha moment. This was like, praise God, God has finally come to save you and me from our sins. No, we don't get it. And in a similar way, we don't get it when Jesus is, or God is saying to us, he's given us every spiritual blessing now. We're like, yeah, but I need to pay my mortgage and my car's broken down. And no, I'm giving you every spiritual blessing. So there's a disconnect between what God thinks is really important and what he's giving us and what we think is really important and what we need. And uh, I want to uh, talk about that today as we, uh, as we look at uh, the book of Ephesians. So uh, let me just uh, say what I would want us to get out of this sermon. I would hope that when I'm finished today, we would understand the richness of every spiritual blessing, uh, the value of that, and... Uh, What's important about that and why this is such a big deal? So, Jesus, I just pray that uh, you would be present, your Holy Spirit would be present, uh, you would help us, Lord, to just uh, connect with you and to really understand the gift and the blessing that you are to us and that what's important to you would be important to us. So, Lord, I just pray that you'd help me to preach this morning. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Let me uh, read this opening section from uh, Ephesians. Uh, if you have a Bible, you might want to follow along. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And uh, the letter opens this way. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Now here's the verse that I want to focus on today. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. And it's like, what exactly does that mean? Practically, what does that mean? Is that just like blah, 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 you know, it's like, I bless you, bless you, bless you, uh, be nice, be peaceful, go in peace, bless, bless, bless. Uh, what is the actual rich, deep spiritual blessing that, Paul is alluding to here because I think it's, it, it's rich and it's deep. Well, the first thing I, I want to point out, if you want to follow along in your um, outline, uh, please do. The first thing is, it's a Trinitarian blessing. Uh, we as followers of Christ, of followers of God, there's a Trinitarian blessing here, and I think some part of it, in trying to understand the fullness of God, is to not only look at one aspect of the Trinity. Um, I think there's a 
twofold mistake going on in society at the moment. One would be where people just say God for everything because you don't want to offend anybody. And so politically correct speak would be, well, you know, you just believe in your God and we all just believe in God and all gods are good and it's all the same God and just God, God, God. And God just becomes like this capital G, lower G, whatever G, whatever G you want it to be. You know, it's... But from a Christian standpoint, we're talking about God being very specific, uh, a trinity, a God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The other end of the spectrum, for those that, most people don't even want to talk about God, period, but if you want to like, not offend anybody, you just say God, be blessed in God. Then you've got the other end of the spectrum, people say, look, I'm sick of that nonsense, I want to talk about Jesus. So it's Jesus specifically, be blessed in Jesus' name, and I'm like, Great, I'm all for that. But there is actually a trap on that end of the spectrum too. And I think a lot of uh, churches fall into this error where it's only Jesus. Like, you never talk about God the Father. It's just Jesus. Uh, and in early church doctrine, there were like a lot of issues about the Trinity. And as important as Jesus is, and I think if you're going to err on the two ends of the spectrum, I'd rather err on the side of, like, let's talk Jesus. But the problem is if we ignore the Holy Spirit. And for many churches, it's like, you know, bless your name, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, whoever the Holy Spirit is and whatever he does and might be a force and good luck to you. you know. But no, the Holy Spirit really is a real person and, and it's really important to understand the role of the Trinity. So the first spiritual blessing we have is, is sort of grappling a little bit with the Trinity and understanding how God in the Trinity has blessed us. So here in chapter 1 of Ephesians is a Trinitarian uh, blessing, understanding of God. Boy, I've got to try and help myself not go down on a rabbit trail here, but let me just go on a little rabbit trail. If you speak to a Jehovah's Witness, a Jehovah's Witness will say, yes, we believe in Jesus. He is a God. He's not God. He's a God. And when they read John Gospel of John, as I did uh, last week, it would be in the beginning uh, was a God and not God. So there's the wrong understanding of who Jesus is. But a correct understanding would be to say, no, Jesus is equal to the Father. The Father is equal to Jesus. Everything was created through Jesus, as we discussed last week in uh, John chapter 1. But here in Ephesians, in verse 2, we say, may God our Father, the Lord, uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And then all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now, one verse doesn't give us the whole understanding of the blessing of the Trinity, but here at least we have a delineation. It's the Father. And often we will relate to the love of God, the Father's love, is that one of the best ways we connect with the Father. It's the love of the Father and what God the Father has done out of love, sending His Son. Then the next part of this uh, drops down, if you've got a Bible, on verse 7, uh, talking about Jesus. It says this, He, this is God the Father, is so rich in kindness and grace, so God the Father, kindness and grace, God the Father, kindness and grace, that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. 
Jesus' primary role. He died on the cross. He connected us through the, to the Father by forgiving our sins and allowing us to be perfect in God's eyes. Then the Holy Spirit, we drop down here to verse 13. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. Okay, back to what I just read. Uh, said in Jesus coming onto this earth. God saves you. That's really good news from God's standpoint because God has a big picture of how important it is to be saved. From our standpoint, it's like, saved? Saved from what? Why do I need to be saved? Why is it such a big deal? God's saying, it's a big blessing. And as we unpack this, and next week we'll look at this, it sure is a big blessing. So let me just read this again. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ... He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us for His own, us to be His own people. God has said, look, okay, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. It's a guarantee. And in other translations say, I've sealed you as my own. Uh, so God is, you know, if we did a natural inheritance, we'd have a document and we'd say to our kids, hey, listen, when I die, I have a document written here, this is your inheritance. This is how much you're going to get, this is all the stuff. When I die, this is where you find it. It's at the lawyer's office, it's buried in my safe, just know that. God is saying, listen, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, I don't need a document, He'll be with you, He'll be living with you, it's a guarantee. When you die, I mean, this is going to be an awesome thing. you mine, you're going to get everything I've promised, you my inheritance. And it's like, wow, this is quite a blessing. But as a kid, if you talk to your kid and say, you know, my will is in the safe, they say, that's so morbid, Dad, you know, I need money for gas. You know, I want to go out tonight. I don't want to talk about your inheritance, your will. I mean, is your food on the table? You're not going to die. Let's move on. And we do the similar thing. I don't want to talk about internal life. I've got needs today. God, I, I, answer my prayers. I'm, I'm suffering. Help me out. God is saying, I've got a much bigger, better Blessed plan for you. So all I'm trying to say in all of that is there is a Trinitarian blessing as a follower of Christ. And we need to understand that God is, a, is revealed himself as a Trinity. A loving father, his son who knows us personally. He's died, he's been human, uh, he's God, and he's given us his Holy Spirit who lives within us, encourages us. Uh, helps us, empowers us, comforts us. I mean, it's just a lot that the Holy Spirit does. The second point I want to make here, we are dual citizens. Uh, you know, I am only an American citizen. I know I speak funny, but I only have an American passport. My wife, on the other hand, she's a dual citizenship. She was born in Scotland. She has a British passport as well as an American passport. Dual citizenship. You know, it's like super lucky, Good for you. You can go and work in England. You could have worked in Europe, but now they've got Brexit, so it's like a big mess. I don't know where you can or can't work. But whatever. You know, some people have dual citizenships, and there's a blessing in that. You can go there and come here, and you just got to have like multiple passports, and you come and go and just get it all right. But, I mean, what about you guys? I mean, you've got like Kenyan and like British and American. I mean, you've got like them all stacked up there. I mean, I don't know. Jordan has probably already got a British passport all lined up. But, you know, I, yeah, I mean, if you can, great. It's a, it's a blessing. And, uh, but what I'm saying is this. God's perspective is your heavenly citizenship is way more important than your American citizenship. 
like God is saying, you are dual citizens. You've got a citizenship of a country, America. If you're American, be blessed. But your citizenship in heaven is what really God is interested in. And it's a big deal and it's a big focus. Uh, and we focus on the exact opposite. We say, yeah, well, heavenly, whatever. You know, I'm interested in today, my needs now. Uh, here's my concerns. Uh, I'm not really that worried about eternity or heaven. Let me say this. God is far more interested in your spiritual welfare than in your physical welfare. You are far more interested in your physical welfare than what you are in your spiritual welfare. There's a disconnect. And what I'm saying to you is we need to get this connection. Although God is far more interested in your, your, your spiritual welfare and well-being, He's still interested in your physical. But, you know, it doesn't seem to bother God that much if you suffer and you go through some pain and you even die. It, it doesn't really bother God that much. I mean, you can be a saintly person and you can die as a martyr preaching the gospel. God's, okay, good, do it. Don't quit. Die as a martyr. I want that for you. And you say, but then there's nothing left. I'm dead. I'm like, God's like, yeah, but I've got spiritual blessings for you. Spiritual blessings? Who cares about that? I mean, I want to live today. And God's like, well, I'm interested in your physical life. And when we talk about eternity, the long-term plan, God is very interested in your physical body and your physical life. And he's saying, there's a plan coming along where these are going to be very much, they'll very much intercept. But for now, it's both. You've got dual citizens. Live in this tension. In the physical life, we see it as starting when we were born. And, you know, from God's perspective, it probably looks like this. Okay, so you're born, and then you really want to get educated to go to school. And after you go to school, then, okay, you get a job, and then you pay off your debt, and you buy a house, and pay off your mortgage, and have kids, and finally you retire because you want to live a good life, and your body's falling apart, and then you die, and then that's life. It's great. Very depressing. Great. Good life. Enjoy it. You know, God's spiritual life starts way before you were born. I mean, from God's standpoint, He knew you before you were conceived. I mean, this is like Ephesians for you. This is this book. It's, it's a big insight. It's like God knew you before you were born. And not only that, God doesn't see you being dead when, when you die. It's like it's not over. It's like just beginning. And so from God's perspective, it's like, I knew you before you were even born. I know when you're going to die, and I know what's going to happen after you're dead. And all of this is part of my plan. And it's a spiritual plan as well as a physical plan. But it's much more to it than just the short stage that we have here on earth. And God is interested in that. Uh, last week, my daughter and I went climbing up in uh, southern New, ha New Hampshire, up here in, I can't even pronounce the mountain, Mount Chukaruku or something. What is it, Max? You're an expert up there. It's near Conway. Chukorum? Chukorum? Chukora. There, Mount Chukora. There you go. Hey. Okay, as you can see, I'm climbing up this icy top in the peak. And I mean, if you don't have crampons, you like slip down and you're dead. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. Now, Megan and I get to the top and it's like, ooh, this is awesome. Just like, love it. Now, why do we love something that's so physical, so carnal? 
I'll tell you why. Because God has created us in a way to enjoy this physical realm. If we're in line and in sync with the things God has created, when we stand on the top of the mountain, we say, this is so beautiful. This is like awesome. This is a, you know, who wants to hike five hours up and two hours down and say, that's an awesome day? I mean, what did you achieve? You walked up a mountain and down a mountain. Great. And that's what most people would think. You're like, why would you do that? But if you've done it, if this is the way you're wired, if you like creation and you like outdoors and you like adventure, you'd say, that was a great day, it was awesome, it was fun, and do it again. And God has wired us that when we do things uh, that are in harmony with the way he's created this earth, we would find tremendous pleasure in this physical life. Remember, it was Jesus that said he came to give us a rich and rewarding life now, here on earth. That's God's plan. It's Jesus' plan for us. A rich and rewarding life. So, enough of dual citizenships. We live up there. We live here. I want to finish with uh, four spiritual blessings that come from being united with Christ as described in the book of Ephesians because we're working through this book. And uh, there are four things here. Being united with Christ. I mean, just, you know, if you go through in your mind briefly and you say, what are the spiritual blessings of being united with Christ? Well, in Ephesians 1.11, it says this, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For He chose us in advance, and He makes everything work out according to His plan. Look, here's the benefit, here's the blessing of that. God has a plan. And you include it in it. God has a plan, and God's plan is going to come to be. Nothing is going to stop God's plan. It will work out in the end. And you're part of that plan. That's, that's a great inheritance. You're on the winning team. The second verse is this, Ephesians 2.6. Now listen to the tense here. For he raised us from the dead, along with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. This already happened. From Jesus' standpoint, he has already raised you from the dead, and you are already seated with Christ. And we're like, what? And this again is the kingdom of God, what I emphasize again and again here in the vineyard. The kingdom of God, the past, the present, and the future, it's all simultaneous. But here's a, a, another verse of God saying, look, you've already raised from the dead. Here's the ramification of that. When we accept Christ, Christ has forgiven us of our sins. When judgment day comes, you, you're already forgiven. It, it's, it's rewards for you. It's like, okay, well done, good and faithful servant. This is, what, this is what, how I want to bless you. Uh, there's no fear for us in judgment day. Uh, there's a sense here where, where God is saying, you are already Seating, seated with Christ. You've already been raised from the dead. You are already a new creation in the tension of an old body. So there's a mystery here. But look at the blessed part of here. God is perceiving us as already sitting and reigning with Christ. Third of the four, Ephesians 2, 7, the very next verse. So God can point to us in all future ages, as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all He has done for us who are united with Him. 
you know, just as we look back in time and we say, well, what did God do with Moses? What did God do with Paul? And you say, well, he did all these awesome things. God is saying, look what he's doing in your life and in my life. And, you know, what is your testimony? And how do you share that with your kids? And then your kids could say, wow, look at the awesome things God did in my parents' lives and my friends' lives. And, and God is using that. The last uh, blessing of being united with Christ, Ephesians 2.13 but now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. Uh, there is a sense where we should experience the closeness of God. Uh, you know, when I uh, came to know Christ at the age of 28, uh, I did not come to Christ because somebody persuaded me through great arguments that, you know, Jesus existed. I didn't come to Christ uh, because I was so smart and I spent a lot of time studying this and thinking about it and figuring it out. I, I, I hadn't. Uh, I actually couldn't care less about religion. I had no interest in it. Uh, I, I didn't come to Christ because I read the Bible. I hadn't read one, one word of the Bible. Uh, I came to Christ because my girlfriend, now my wife Liz, invited me to church and something happened. And it certainly wasn't the preaching. And it certainly wasn't the, uh, what do they call it, a seeker-sensitive service. We had like clowns running up and down the, the chairs, and uh, it was the most crazy thing I'd ever seen. I was like, this is totally chaotic. I, I, I got nothing out of that service. It was just like craziness. And Liz was walking out like, oh, this was such a waste of time. My boyfriend's going to hate me forever. And, and you know, I got to the end of the service, and I, I spoke to the priest, and I said, can you just explain to me like something simple? I mean, like, why Christianity? Why not, like, I don't even know, like Roman Catholic was something different. It was like, why Christianity, not Buddhism or Muslim stuff? Or Can you explain that to me quickly? I didn't realize it was a loaded question. I was just like, oh. And right there, the presence of God made himself manifest. It wasn't like anything he said to me. It was like, God's here. God exists. I, I, God just manifest himself to me. And the guy said this, he said, meet me tomorrow morning, 11 o'clock. That was Monday morning, 11 o'clock. The only time I could possibly ever have met that guy, the whole of that next week was 11 o'clock Monday morning. It was the only opening in my schedule. I stood there and I'm like, God is in this place. I mean, drawing near to God, when God draws near to us, when he reveals himself to us, when we experience his presence, when we experience the reality of God, it's an awesome thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's something, you know, when you experience it, you know it. And once you've experienced it, it changes everything. Now all of a sudden the facts start helping and it starts building and your faith starts growing and you want to know more and you want to read more and you want to discover more about God and, and you get built up in your faith. But God has to make himself real to you. It has to be a real encounter. And every single person is going to be different because God is going to meet you and meet me in totally different ways. I can't reproduce what happened to me. But I, I do say this, God is constantly reaching out to us and saying, I want relationship with you. I'm interested in your life. I'm interested in, yes, your limited physical concerns. I want to help you. But I have a much bigger and fuller plan for you. It's a great and glorious plan. And God is saying, I want to bless you, and I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing. You lack nothing from a spiritual standpoint. You are already God's kid. You are have total access to his inheritance, to eternal life, if you follow him, if you're a believer, if you're part of him. 
And so I, I just end up my message there and I say, God, just like arrest us. Lord, I just pray that you would make yourself known to us. Lord, that we would invite your presence here, your Holy Spirit, to manifest yourself in whatever way you would like to. Lord, we want to know you more. We want to know you better. We want to know you personally. And Lord, as a result, uh, Lord, once we've been arrested by your, your Spirit, the, our, our natural response is to want to live a life pleasing to you. And then to take these spiritual blessings that we've received and to bless others. We would love others to know your love and experience your goodness. And Lord, we ask even for your Holy Spirit to help us with that. And so, Lord, I just pray for your people. I pray that they would be richly blessed. Lord, that your presence would be on them. That your spirit would guide them. And Lord, that you would take care of our physical needs. But more importantly, Lord, you would give us eyes and hearts to desire you and to follow you and to put you first and to order our lives where you first and everything else is second. I just pray a blessing on your people. In your name, Jesus. Amen.